Can you hear me? You guys should be able to hear me now. Not really sure what went wrong there. Uh, Goofy Jeff, let me know if you can hear me and let me know if my entire intro was missed because that would be very, very unfortunate. So I'm going to I'm gonna hang around and wait for somebody to confirm. Okay, so Phil, Mary, and Goofy Jeff said that you guys can hear me now. Looked like something got messed up with the audio. Must have been talking to myself for the last two minutes here. Really unfortunate, but, uh, you know... I'm not going to go through the whole intro again. So sorry, guys. Don't know what happened there, but we're going to get the stream going anyways. Happy Thursday, everybody. And uh, let's uh, win some DFS slates. So question here. It came in from support, just to backtrack a little bit. And the question is, if I am mainly playing in contests from a range of $0.05 to $3 entries, what is the best site to use to get an edge at winning FanDuel or DraftKings? I've noticed that DraftKings has much better payouts, but a tougher field. FanDuel, not as many contests and not the best payout structures, but seems to be an easier field. Just want your opinion on what site I should use. So good question here coming in from support. What I will say is that I know that FanDuel has more contests with bigger entries under the $3 threshold. So like I think on like a football Sunday, they're running a five cent, 150 max. They're running a 25 cent, 150 max. They're running a $1, 150 max, as opposed to DraftKings where they have like the 10 cent, 20 max, the 25 cent, 20 max. They have the 50 cent, 150 max and like the $1, 20 max. So I think that, you know, going back to your your thought, I don't think that like one is like necessarily harder than the other. I would say that on FanDuel, though, you can get a lot more unique entries under that threshold. So I think that's like a good like plus for playing on FanDuel is like I could get, you know, 500 unique entries probably under that $3 threshold where like, I can't really get that in good contests with flat payout structures. So, you know, if you're torn between DraftKings and FanDuel, I think that you're on the right track that like FanDuel is probably a better place to play some of those contests. But I think like the reasoning for me would be that I could get a lot more unique entries down on FanDuel, giving myself more chances to get those higher payouts. So those are my thoughts on it. I hope that question helps you out and we'll make sure that uh, this gets sent over to you from support. So one more question from support, everybody, and then we're going to jump back to Discord. So let's knock this one out. Question here says, my question would be, how can I create the best process to figure out which tertiary low-owned wide receivers have the best chance to go off Easy answer is matchups, wide receivers versus cornerbacks, cornerbacks, etc. Wide receiver one locked up with a good cornerback like Miami versus Minnesota for this week six. My gut tells me Thielen should be in a smash spot with low ownership this week and him not being on the good side of touchdown variance. Long-winded question, but in layman terms, I want to I want a repetitive process on how to be a week early on low owned GPP plays 
rather than a week late. So tough question here. I'm going to hover over to NFL and we'll pull up the main slate for this weekend. But, you know, not to like blow the wind out of your sails, but you know, if, if, uh, if I could, if I could predict the future, I, I probably wouldn't be doing this stream. I'd, I'd say that that's like kind of what I hear is like, you know, how do I know like who's going to go off and like be a week early on them? And like, I think that's just really hard to do overall. I I'm going to give you like some tips and some ideas of like how to kind of get more of that in your lineup. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't have crystal ball. And like, I think that some of the things that you're noting about like matchups and who's covering who, I think like that is publicly available information. And I think that it might not be as much of a signal as you might think it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with having takes. I think having takes are good being uh, somewhat subjective and putting your own touch into your builds is like important. And I think that, you know, if you think like Adam Thielen is going to have a good day, then there's nothing wrong with that. You could bump his projection in step one. You could increase your exposure to him in step three and you could do some other things like that. So like, if you want to take a stand on Adam Thielen, like I'm not discouraging that at all. But what I will say is like, you know, the, the model team is really good. The sim is really good. The sim understands a lot of these things that you're discussing. And what I would say is like, if you want to shoot for some of those more outlier outcomes, I would do that by increasing my sim diversity. So if we're playing a 150 max, like we're playing the Millie, right? And sim diversity is at eight. Maybe you bump sim diversity to nine. Maybe you bump sim diversity to 10. What this is going to do is going to make your player pool bigger and give you more opportunities to get some of those players. Like the, you know, you said like the wide receiver three, if, if you want more wide receiver threes, I would bump up your sim diversity and try and get more of those players in your pool. Like overall, it's a, it's a high variance approach. You're, you're treading into riskier waters. So the odds that you're going to have more losing days goes up, but that's like the price you're paying in order to find the times where those wide receiver threes, low owned guys do go off. So it's like a trade-off. You have to understand that if you're comfortable with that and you're baking those decisions into the amount of bankroll that you're allocating for a given slate like by all means go for it. Um, I'm not discouraging that. I just think that, you know, you really need to make decisions like that with like some acceptance of this extra risk. And it's not something that I'm going to recommend for everyone across the board to do. I think it's like a very personal decision. And if you're okay with that, then by all means go for it. So it's kind of my thoughts on the topic. If you have any follow-up, just reach back out to us and uh, we can continue to talk about it. So that being said, that covers our questions in support. I'm going to jump over to discord now and we will knock out the questions in discord before moving over to YouTube chat. So question here 
from E equals MCC and in Discord. And the question, this should be a quick one. Played NHL DFS for the first time. I noticed that I didn't see any actual scores on SaberSim to compare with projected scores in my NFL lineups. There is actual scores that updates as the game progresses. Does SaberSim NHL not have the actual score stat? So just wanted to note this for everyone because I know we just had like the first big NHL slate yesterday. Got another big one today. The actuals for NHL are coming. You should see them very soon. The team is aware that the actuals aren't in the app and are working behind the scenes to get those in there. So just want to note for everybody, you know, first main slate of the year, give us a little bit to get through some of the bumps on the road, but the actuals will be there very soon. So quick one there, but worth noting. And moving on to the next question from Satch. So this question says, does a new slider functionality affect NBA slates present and past? So Satch, yes, it does. So if you were to go back to last season and run some builds, any and all builds that you do like back testing on are now done using the new builder logic. So it, it's, it's safe to say whatever would have happened on last year's slate on the day you were building, you're going to get different lineups because the builder, builder logic is different. So, you know, not too much more to say on that. Let me know if you have any follow-up and we're going to move on to the next question from in it to bink it and to bink it asked is there a way to stop certain positions in my utility spot in nhl slash soccer so in it to bink it i was testing this out before we got started was hoping to have a good answer for you but unfortunately the answer i have requires a little manual intervention so if you're playing nhl and you're like you know what I do not want any defenseman in my utility spot for whatever reason. So what you have to do is you have to click position. You have to sort by position. And then if I wanted to do, I'm just going to do uh, centers just because I have them right here. It's like, no, no, I don't really ever want a center in my utility. You'll have to uncheck all the centers from your utility. And then they will not be used in this drop down here. So, you know, going back to what we talked about yesterday, quickest way to do this is to just hit this hide, remove players, and then just quickly uncheck all these. So it takes a little bit of work, but, you know, it can be done. So I guess it's really a question of, like, how important is this to you? And, you know, that's a question for, for you to answer. Maybe it's really valuable in your process or, you know, you just, like, really want a lot of control over who shows up in your utility but, you know, like in the, in the time we've been talking, I think I've like X'd out 60. That was about 60-ish players from my utility that were centers. So, you know, shouldn't take more than, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds to, to fix manually. But anyways, that's a workaround for now. I think it would be cool to build it into the NHL stack rules at some point. If I were to like create a, create a group rule and say – you know, use no, no more or use exactly zero. And then I could just like do a position, do like a positional thing. So I, I don't think you could do it right now. So like use no more than, or use exactly zero, do a group automatic rule. 
And then I would say like defensemen. And then I would say, you know, I would have like a section here that says like utility. So that's something that I can bring up to the team as like a feature request. I think it would be like neat myself. So in it to make it, I'll put this in as a feature request and hopefully we see it in the app in the future. So it's going to make a quick note, feature request, utility spot rule for NHL. And I know you also noted soccer. So anyways, got that logged. We'll send it over to the team to, to put on the list of future feature requests. All right. Next question from M star 79. And let's take a look at this one. So question says on the 150 max lineup contests for main slates for NFL, I've typically capped max exposures in pre-build for all positions at about 30 to 40% in order to spread out and lower overall risk when I don't have many strong stands to take. Question is, Capping exposures pre-build in this way, assuming it's even the right thing to do for 150 lineup main slates, which it may not always be, something that should never be done on a showdown slate due to the drastically lower player count, question mark. Any sample data on that or even just an opinion, thanks. So MSART, you know, reading this question, I think what you're really asking for is your kind of saying, you know, should I heavily cap exposures to showdown players? Because showdown is a lot different than main slates. I think that's an important distinction. So let's hover over to the game tonight. We'll talk about tonight's showdown. So what I'll say is that, you know, let's get some lineups in here and let's see what they're looking like, just like right off the bat. But you know, just kind of thinking about the question overall, I don't think that you can, I I don't, I don't think that capping exposures at, hold on everybody, get that going. I don't think capping exposures at like 40% is probably viable for showdown just because you shouldn't, be like like you might not have like enough exposures overall to like all of your players so you know let's just like see what our 1500 lineups are looking like in the first place and then we could talk a little more about it so okay we get 1500 lineups loaded up in the app we have like no more than 20 percent to any captain and then we hover over to flex and we see that you know we have one, two, three, four players over 40% in the flex spot. So, you know, could we do a cap? I mean, you know, if we come over here and look at like your pool exposure and we sort by pool exposure, we have one, two, three players over 40%. So, you know, is it a viable strategy? I would say so. I think so. In, in 1,500 lineups, you know, we're not seeing any more than 55% to any one person. So if you were to cap everyone right here to 40%, and let's just see what the builder does. So 40, 40, 40. So what I'm, what I'm mainly trying to do, okay. So 
So we tried capping to 40% and the builder told us like unable to meet exposures. If you want to do this, keep editing and then send your exposures back to the home screen. So I guess it depends like how important this is for you. I think in showdown, it's like one game of football as opposed to a main slate where it's 12 to 15 games of football. So I think like in a main slate, you can get away with having lower exposures across the board easier because there's just more players to choose from, like you pointed out. So I think like the player pool has a lot to do with this strategy. But I think that, you know, if if you're if you go into a slate and you're like, you know what? If I were to convert my exposures to a financial investment, I'm not comfortable playing any player more than 50%. And I think that's like totally okay. So what I would do is I would send my exposures back home and I would run a build again and see what it spits out. So if that's something that like really bothers you, then go ahead and do it. I'll say just like be careful because as soon as you start capping these high projected guys, the only thing left are lower projected guys. It's not like, you know, we're one for one swapping Cooper Cup for Justin Jefferson on a main slate. I think like, you know, there's only three players right here priced above 10K. So as soon as you cap your exposure to these, you got to go lower in the in the player pool to these lower salary options. You don't have as many high salary options to swap between. So I think you lose a lot of that. And that's something that makes having lower player exposures on main slates easier. So those are my thoughts. I think it's totally okay to cap exposures for the most part. I would say be more careful with it in showdown and just, you know, me personally, like I take a smaller amount of my bankroll into every showdown slate because I know I need to be riskier. I could tell you guys that I had 90% Naheem Hines last Thursday. And you know what? Guy gets hurt on the Colts first drive of the game. Did it suck? Yes. But, you know, if you play like an amount of money and somebody gets hurt and that just like bothers you for the rest of the night, tomorrow, whatever it may be, you might have been playing like a little too much that night. So I would say like there's a little bit of that. Like was I upset? Naheem Hines got hurt. Yes, because I had 90% of them, but I had 90% of him because I lowered my amount of bankroll I was playing that night. So like there is a trade-off there and I would be aware of that, especially when playing showdown slates. So just some thoughts, guys. Uh, you know, happy to shed some light wherever I can there. So moving on to the next question from Pabst Pounder here. And Pabst is a new member to the community. So Pabst, welcome. So question is, I wanted to enter two separate 20 max contests and have 40 unique lineups. So I built 40, but when I entered them using the fill entries button, it entered the same 20 in both. I'm sure I did something wrong. Just wondering if there is an easy way to do this. So yes, there is 100% an easy way to do that. And I am going to hover. Uh, you know what? Let's just get an entries file loaded up in here. And then we can talk about it a little bit. So we're just going to do like a quick review of the entry editor and our options for filling a slate. So let's go back to the build. 
we just ran. We're going to act like we're going to use this as our final build for the night and talk about it. So if we were to be comfortable with this set of exposures right off the bat, we can save them. And then we go to fill entries. So what I could do is I'm going to lower this to 150 lineups total, not 500. And then I have a couple options here. So if you go to method, you have a rank, unique rank, unique random, and exact. So if I do rank, I'm going to get my top 20 lineups that you see over here on the right into every contest. So this gets the top 20, gets the top 20, gets the top 20, gets all 150. These get the top three and then the top three. So those same lineups are used over and over again. If I do unique rank, what happens is that 1 through 20 go into this first one, 21 through 40, 41 through 60. And then since I only have 60 through 150, which is 90, then it'll use those and then it'll circle back to 1 through 40. So like your, your 150 entries just sequentially go down the order, filling every contest one by one. If I were to use unique random and then fill this way, what happens is the 150 lineups that I'm using randomly get assigned to all these different contests, regardless of the rank order that they're in. And then exact, what it would do is if I were to hit exact and then hit fill, it would only fill the contest where the number of lineups matches the number of entries. So just a quick overview of how the entry editor works. I see that, uh, Safo responded and helped you out already. So thank you, Safo, for getting to uh, Paps Pounder before I could. Happy to see members of the community helping each other out. Just an awesome thing to see all the time. So, all right, guys, last question in Discord coming up right here. I don't see too many questions in the YouTube chat. Get them in now. Happy to talk about all the sports that we have coming up with a lock today. So let's get to this one from Rogue3. And Rogue said, if I set a stack rule that uses at least two correlated players, whether that's EV or power play, will that apply to the secondary stack in, say, a 4-3 or 3-3-2 lineup? So, okay, let's we're talking about hockey, so let's go over to the NHL, and we'll talk about the 10-gamer tonight. So what you're saying is that you want to set a stacking rule and stack at least two players and we're going to say must be on the same EV or power play line to gain correlation. Will that apply to the secondary stack in say a four, three or three, three, two lineup? Okay. So wrote really good question here. What I think will happen is that this says stack at least two players on primary team so primary team would be like if it's a four three it would be the four if it's a three three two i believe it would be the first three so i don't believe that this would apply to quote unquote secondary teams since this is like a, a primary team stack to achieve what you're talking about thing is important um i don't know how exactly to do that what i would imagine you would want to do is you know like taking a step back 
I think that you should filter your stack types to like what you want to see. So if like you're really trying to gain this like extra level of cor correlation, like I probably want to avoid no stacks. I probably want to avoid two one 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 or whatever I want or uh, three one one one. So like I would I would do some stack type curation probably first and foremost, and then I would add a rule here saying, you know, what's like the smallest stack that you for sure want. And like, maybe that's three. So then, okay, I add a rule must be on the same even strength or power play. And so I know I'm getting like at least three guys from one line. You can, if you want a game stack, you know, game stacking is really easy. If you don't care to game stack, I would just save that. I would curate your stack types and then I would see what my lineups look like from there and then determine how, what other rules you're, you're going to need like in place. So let's like run a build here because I am somewhat interested to see what's going on. So, okay. The following positions do not have enough projected players to build lineups. Oh, cause this is why we did the, uh, the utility thing. Huh? It is pretty interesting that I thought you could limit it, but maybe I am wrong, everybody. So, you know, what we tried to do was eliminate centers from the utility in step one. You might have to do that in step three, unfortunately. So apologies there, but it looks like I was incorrect in saying that you could remove centers from your utility only. It looks like when we do this, we are indeed Xing them from the pool entirely. So my bad there. I'm going to take the L on that one. And then I'm going to look into what we can do as far as a workaround. I can't really troubleshoot it here on stream, but I will look around and see what I can come up with for an it to being its question from earlier. But, you know, just right off the bat, what I can think about doing is just doing it in step three. So you go into your utility, you're just going to have to zero off by position, any centers that come up in that case. So a little unfortunate, but it is what it is. And we will work with what we got. Okay. So I know I owe Rogan answer on secondary stacks for NHL. And then I owe, and it's a binket and answer on removing utilities looking through youtube chat really quickly what do we have here for us today okay so goofy jeff said i'm one in four in DraftKings. any tips to get better uh goofy jeff i don't know what one in four means exactly but what i will say is you know if you're looking for a resource to help you out to level up your game to learn more about dfs in general our YouTube channel is a great place to start. So what I would encourage you to do is hop on over to our YouTube and it, where it says new here, start here first. You know, one thing I want to say is like, this doesn't mean like, oh, brand new to DFS, start here. And, you, and you know, you say like, no, I've been playing DFS for years. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, no, this is like, Oh, you're new to Sabersim? Like, start here. Like, this is the place where you need to start. So, you know, don't take that in like a wrong way. 
all of these videos have great value and I would definitely jump into our YouTube channel and then hop into these videos. They're all pretty short. And then if you want more sports specific stuff, you can head over to playlists and you, you know, you want to talk about NHL, you want to talk about NFL. Like we have all these great resources. So I would scan through here and see if you can find what you're looking for. So those are my tips there. We're going to hop over back to Sabersim because this build is now done and we can look at this in a little more detail. All right. So we set a rule that we wanted at least three players on every team. We are seeing that. We're getting some 3 3 twos, getting some 4 twos, some 5 twos, some 4 threes. So, like, Rogue, right off the bat, you know, I can tell you that the rule is definitely only for the primary teams because we're getting like four two. Like we're not we're not forcing no like two three threes. So like if you wanted to do that, you would have to check those in step one, like we were talking about. So just some notes there that like if you want a secondary stack, then you're gonna have to really like get dirty in the stack types. But okay. Going back to Anna Tabinga's question, you know, limiting players in the utility spot. We added all the centers back in so we, we could build lineups. Maybe like for the sake of this example, we don't want any defensemen. And so we're just going to hop right through here. Let me get rid of some columns. That way I can have some more leeway here. And then I'm going to say like, boom, no defensemen. And, you know, I would just handle it like literally right in this step right here and then if you were building 150 you know you want to see some more options to see how many you're getting and like we can see we're not even getting a lot of defensemen anyways i'm getting one in one lineup i'm getting one in another so that's two total and then this is four so six so i'm getting six defensemen in my utility would be really easy to come in here and just knock them all out really quickly if if you deem that, you know, they just don't have enough upside to, to warrant utility. So it doesn't seem that hard to manage from step three. I'm still going to put in the request to add it in the lineup rules like we talked about. So don't think I forgot about that. But anyways, guys, that's all the questions that we have in our queue. Happy to stick around and continue to talk more. So if there's anything anyone's been, you know, thinking about asking, doesn't want to ask, just remember – there are no dumb questions here. All questions are good questions. And any question that you have, I bet you somebody else is thinking it too and would like to ask it. So take take that step for a fellow community member and let's get the answer out there for, for everyone to uh, learn about. So I'm going to hang out for a couple minutes. Uh, you know, we could, we could talk about the uh, showdown slate tonight, not the highest total, not the two best teams. Hope it's a lot better than the Colts and the Broncos last week. But, um, you know, at least like the spread's close. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe they could uh, go back and forth late in the game and 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 we can get some points there. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, any, any hot takes, I don't have any. If you are looking for hot takes, Jordan is your man on that one. I know he was on the uh, Run Pure stream earlier today. He's on every Thursday, and he likes to give out some plays. So if you guys want to support Jordan on the stream, you can check him out 
on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. But um, I think as far as our daily office hours goes, we will be right back tomorrow talking about the slate. Hopefully somebody won a million dollars and we can shout them out. But until then, everybody, I will see you later and take care and good luck.